But yes, uh, I mean, you, you were talking a bit about Descartes, weren't you? When you were saying, you know, this, this is the kitty who really, um, really starts raising some questions. And I think, I think you're right. Um, I mean, Descartes, as we all know, he recognised. I mean, he was one of the first. But he really struggled with these issues that we're talking about today. You know, what do we know? And there's that transition between from 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 um, an increasing lack of confidence in an idealistic and an in an idea idealists understanding of the universe mm. so you know are we really you know are we really kind of behind plato with, that we know everything that there is to know we've just forgotten it and then we just need to be reminded of it is there really everything that needs to be known already existing in the mind of god um and the and the priests will dole this out to us and we can find this information in the sacred texts and the this information we made available to us uh, because it's already there it just we just need a conduit to it is that really how it is or are we moving more and more towards a kind of baconian empirical idea where you've just got to suck it and see and you've got to have the experiences before you can actually kind of claim to have the knowledge and so you have descartes saying well what do we do we you know we're moving into this world we can't trust our vast our, you know our commitment to this vast repository of cosmic knowledge that god or that the, the, the otherworldly forms was able to give us. Now we're beginning to say, okay, maybe that's not the case. Mm -hmm. um, so are we going to have to you know, build our world piece by piece by ourselves, individually, one by one? I mean, good heavens. Mm -hmm. you know, are we really down with that? And how do we know what materials to use? How do we even know we're you know, working to, a, to a, an appropriate plan or whatever? And he, and he, raises that whole, you know, he, he raises that whole question, that kind of systematic doubt. You know, what can we know for certain anymore? Mm. Um, and he kind of, you know, and, and you know, he does, as you know, he does reduce the whole thing down to well, the only thing we can really know for certain mm. um, is that there is somebody asking the question, "Oh my goodness, what do I know?" Mm. Because you know, you're you're aware that you're asking the question, so there must be somebody there asking that question, because otherwise, where does the question come from? Mm. And then, as we know, he kind of smuggles God back into the equation because mm. he still couldn't find a way of guaranteeing knowledge. So he says, okay, we exist. Um, you know, there's a proof of the existence of God. God has to exist because a perfect being has to exist. Um, and therefore, we can, now, we can now be, you know, we can now trust that our senses are giving us access to a world that's really here. So at least we can start confidently building knowledge out of the experiences we have. Um, and that's kind of groovy. Um, but then, as you say, by the time you get to Kant, Kant, you know, raises the, the, the question again. You know, is there, you know, is there knowledge we already have? You know, are Plato, you know, are, are, is there kind of the, the, the Judeo-Christian tradition? Uh, is the, you know, are they right? Is there knowledge already there? Is there any kind of knowledge already there that we can rely on? Um, uh, and for a while, as you know, he, he said. He, there must be, there has to be something. Mm. And then increasingly he came to the conclusion that, well, actually, no, there's not. There's mm. no pre-existent knowledge. But he still couldn't let go of, he still couldn't let go of something. He still had to say that the kind of legacy, a kind of a, a, a residue of idealism. He still had to say, well, there's not knowledge as such, mm. but if you like the structures of knowledge, yes. the categories of thought are still there. Mm. So we've still got instructions uh, on how to piece it all together, mm. our mind has the kind of the the, the grid, the mm. instruction kind of booklet. And um, so, yeah, we are responsible for gathering information. We are responsible for seeing things and tasting things and hearing things and touching things and all that kind of stuff. Mm. That's how we get the data. But then our brain 
our minds, everybody's minds, um, if you like, have that essential toolkit, that essential structure to, to put things together in, in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and language, I'm guessing, is, is, is kind of one of those, it's kind of one of those, so space and time are kind of two of the primary categories. Yeah. Um, we don't have to learn those. These are not things that are concepts that are taught to us. These are things that are present in our mind to help us make sense of the world. Um, so, I mean, that's I mean, that's kind of comforting in a way mm. um, that you know you've got well, yeah, at least the data we're taking in makes sense. It's a good, it it's a good baseline, I think. It's a good, yeah. Uh, it, it's a little bit uh, frustrating. <laughs> uh, this is what you got. You, you, it's like you've got the. Um, the, the equipment to to understand the world, but you can't really understand the world. Completely. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I mean, it's not. It's, it. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I don't think it's insignificant that um, that Kant, um, for all his, his his grandiose discussions about the nature of knowledge uh, and 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 how we experience and how those experiences are turned into knowledge by the categories of thought, and he, he wrote travelogues as well, and all that. and he never left his hometown of Konigsberg. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a in a small island called Jersey, in the it's the Channel Islands, just come south of the UK, close to France, um, and it's the kind of like a lot of people who never leave. Mm. That is their you know that kind of you know I don't know six by. 10 island is their entire universe <laughs> that's their entire world um and uh, and Kant was down with that and and that that kind of rings true for me because you know as far as Kant's concerned yeah you don't you know you don't necessarily have to kind of travel the world to gain an understanding of it as long as you can find a way of getting the data then your your brain is the perfect has the capacity to put that data together in a meaningful way um and that's become an issue. I mean, I, I can remember um, debating um, with, um, um, oh, over the years, with you know feminist theorists mm-hmm. uh, and and um, um, people talking, you know, people arguing for uh, um, on uh, for kind of racial issues and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that unless unless you've experienced it, unless mm-hmm. you unless you you are a woman mm-hmm. and you've experienced. Being, you know, marginalised by a mm. patriarchal culture, then you can't know what it's like. You can't know, so you have no, you have no, um, you have no voice. You can't comment on it. Mm. Um, uh, and you know, there's a strong body of opinion that, say, uh, that argues that that unless you've had the, you know, it's very empirical. Unless you've experienced it, you can't know it. Um, mm. And um, the other side of the coin is, is people who take that the, the other view, which say, well, you know, you don't actually have to have physically experienced a thing. Um, or personally experience thing to to have an, an understanding of it to be able to speak meaningfully of it. Yeah. Um, so you know, I you know, I'm not a woman. I've never been a woman. I don't intend to be a woman, um, but I would consider my, myself to to be you know um, a I feminist. Think... I would consider myself to be supportive of the feminist agenda, um, yeah. even though. Um, that is not something you know. I've not experienced in in you know in the same way as mm. I've never been to Australia. Um, mm. Doesn't mean to say that you know I can't. I I'm not in a position to say anything about Australia. Doesn't mean to say I can't learn about Australia yeah. uh, and in anything meaningful. But, I think it's 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 important to um, have that kind of um, uh, recognition of the you know the impossibility of understanding someone's uh, perspective within your within your argument mm. yeah mm. as long as you, yeah because yeah, i yeah I, I think i thought of that it's quite recently you know about um potential you know problems of uh, of racism 
and um, I'm a quite optimistic person. I think it would, you know, from what I can see, it's not it, um, the situation in this particular area is not that bad. And I had to think, well, no, I'm thinking like a white person because I'm a white person. Yeah. I have to recognise that other people f think and feel differently because they're a different race to me, and that is part of part of the argument. But I th also think that I I, I I can't then say, well, I can't comment on anything. Yeah. Because, you know. And see, that's exactly as you're saying there. I think one of the things about hum humanity is uh, human beings, although we don't necessarily always do it, we have the capacity to self-transcend. We mm. can... Um, draw back i mean this is, this is i mean fichte talks about this the idea the, the idealist philosopher fichte kind of um the, the philosopher who kind of pre pre kind of figures hegel in many ways mm. um uh, and he talks about kind of self-transcendence he says well you know he's got that little exercise where he just says you know um think about an object uh and then okay think about you keep thinking about the object now think about the person who's thinking about that object Stand back. Who was thinking about the object you've just been thinking about? Now you're two steps back. You're now thinking about the person, who, which is you, who was thinking about the object. Now you can stand back even further, and you can keep doing that in a kind of almost endless regression. Think about, think about the person who's thinking about the person who's thinking about the thing. Um, we do have that capacity to self-transcend and to look at ourselves, not as you say, not necessarily yeah. as a kind of out-of-body experience, but as a kind of a rational ability to stand back from our own immediate experience and to look down on ourselves and say, why am I doing this? Mm. You know, what, are the th why, what are the reasons for my actions here? Mm. Uh, and we can kind of question and reflect on ourselves in a way that perhaps you know, other, other species can't, can't do. Um, so I, I, think, I, think it is, you know, I think it's important. Um, one of the things I think that empiricism has done, which has limited human knowledge, um, is at least at least not covertly but at least unconsciously it's limited what we call knowledge to the things we actually physically experience mm -hmm. um because you know and and hume points this out david hume points this out very early on he says you know that that all forms of empiricism are are, are ultimately fail um because they can never ever uh, examine their own foundation they're never able to ask questions about their own foundation because mm -hmm. there's no there's no evidence for that mm -hmm. um so you can't sort of say well you know why do we why do we accept that the world works this way well we, we believe that the world works this way how do you know that this experience leads on to that experience and will always do that every time you have this there will always be that how do you know that mm. you can't know that for certain all you can know is it's always been that way mm. it's just like a habit um so this kind of that that kind of issue that you know all you can know is only the things that you actually can touch and smell and feel and taste i can see why that gives that 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 provided people like you know descartes with this idea that there has to be a certainty uh about the world we have to be able to kind of nail it down because we've lost god now so surely we have to be certain that what i'm holding in my hand is actually in my hand because i can feel it yeah. um but what does that limit you to uh, and there are lots of things I think that uh, that limits. Um, and I would like to be able to say I can speak meaningfully about all kind. I can speak meaningfully about Mars if I want to. I can speak mm -hmm. meaningfully. I and mean, this is the artistic. This is the artistic kind of um, the artistic sort of a, a agenda. Really, it's to be yeah. able to say let's talk about stuff. Let's engage with stuff that we can't physically experience. But let's have a thought experiment. Let our, let's our reason, our imagination, and our creativity. Mm. just kind of fly around this thing and see what it does for us see what we can kind of create out of that and it's not mm. it's not invaluable it's not it's not valueless you know 
Um, and that's what the Romantics, you know, are, as a reaction to the Enlightenment, the Romantics are saying that everything doesn't have to be, you know, catalogued and nailed down and numbered mm. for us to call it knowledge. We can explore, we can throw ourselves into things, we can throw paint at a paint. You know, we can do three minutes and 43 seconds, uh, 44 seconds of silence, mm. see, or four minutes and 33 seconds of silence, uh, and see where that leads us. It's still meaningful knowledge. That reminds me uh, of... Um, what, what you do with it is up to you, I suppose. That reminds me of, um, there's a good... Um, uh, book by uh, Stephen King on writing, and he's 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 talking to like um, amateur uh, uh, novelists or whatever, and he he says um, you know it's the famous thing write what you know, what do you mm. know, um, and uh, he gives an example you know let's say that your your day job you're a plumber, but you don't you know you don't want to write a story about you know, uh, uh, what happened uh, <laughs> What happened to you yeah. Yeah, as plumber. But, okay, let's make that plumber um, a plumber on a spaceship going to Mars. Mm. Yeah? yeah? So you've got half of what you experience, what, what you know is real, because you, yeah, you, you're everyday thing, but also you've got your, your, your flight of fancy. Yes. It's no, yes. It's, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with ex exploring that. Mm. Yeah. Well, so when you see this in, as so we talked about the, I was just mentioning the uh, the Romantics, and you see this um, interesting. You see this in in um, uh, in horticulture and kind of landscape gardening and so on. Because you had, you know, in the eighteenth century, you had these very kind of like manicured, very ordered gardens. Mm. Um, everything kind of laid out properly. You had teams of gardeners controlling nature, so nature didn't get out of hand. We've talked about this. Mm. Um, and the Romantics are saying, well, you know, there is nothing surprising there. You know, this is not really teaching you anything. This is you imposing your sense of order, mm. whatever, however limited that is. It's, it's imposing your sense of order, your sense of of the world on this place. Um, it's not giving you the opportunity to learn from that place you're just trying to stamp your identity on that place so the the you know the, the romantics would say well just just leave it mm. just leave it and see what happens to it see what grows up where um see how you know the, the various kind of you know flowers growing up in various places might surprise you with the kinds of colors that would come up that you wouldn't have thought of combining but because they've just done it without you, suddenly you think, ah, oh, that's quite interesting. I never thought, thought those colours would go together. Mm. Um, you know, different kind of fragrances and stuff. You know, you might see trees and plants growing in weird and wonderful shapes. Mm. Um, I watched, I, I, this will be Jeff, definitely my last Star Trek reference. <laughs> um, uh, I don't but think I, I so, think, Mike. Yeah, well, certainly for today. But I mean, you, I, and I think this is one. This is something I showed when you were uh, when you were doing one of the classes. Uh, it was an episode called The Masterpiece Society. Yeah. Uh, and it's a cracking episode, and it's about this kind of genetically engineered society. So everything is perfect. Everything, everybody knows. It's almost platonic in that kind of republic way. Mm. Everybody is born knowing what it is they're supposed to do. You know, so somebody is born to be an administrator, somebody is born to be a, uh, an artist, or born to be a technician or whatever. Um, and the whole society is balanced out that way. Uh, and the, the, something's about to happen to this, this, this society, this this colony which which prompts the enterprise to have to kind of come and help them mm. and say well we don't want anybody coming in and tainting our society with their views and their opinions and their, mm. their different ways of doing things uh, because that will just unbalance the society but they have to have them because they don't have the technology to protect themselves um, so people turn up and uh, they do what needs to be done uh, and there's the scientist uh, from this colony is looking at uh, Geordie LaForge who's the the enterprise uh, engineer who's blind and has a, a mm. device to help him see uh, and she says oh you know 
does that hurt that device hurt he said no no i had it since i was a kid he said oh well you know in our society that would never have happened because you know you would never have been born um mm. because we, we 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 screened out uh you know using our kind of our reason and what mm. we want from our society we screened out all those sort of abnormalities and he you know and before said, well who are you to decide whether mm. i've got a, a, a contribution to make i can't i can't see in the way you see but i have a device here that helps me um, and you know, I perceive the world in a particular way, and I engage in the world. You know, and I do this and the other. And it turns out that his, his as a, it's quite, you know, it's a bit smug, really. But it turns out that the device that he's using to see the world um, can be used in a variation um, to create a device which will help to save this this this, mm. this community. And the and the kind of the, the the message from that is that you know, necessity is the mother of invention. That you know, um, sometimes you don't see the problems. Sometimes you don't see aspects of the world if you're not expecting to find them if you've already if you've already you know created your world and it's a clearly defined empirical world with clearly defined borders um then you don't find anything else because you're yeah. not looking for anything else you know yeah um so sometimes you know the romantics are saying you know just let it happen and you'll things will come to you you know you don't necessarily kind of go to them and and and, and you know enforce things i, I, like, I like that i, I, I find that yeah, it's optim. It's an opti optimistic thing. It's the same mm. thing as, um, you know, uh, as, as I was saying earlier, um, order and structure and all that is very good. But w ultimately, we will rebel against it in some way. We don't like it uh, yeah, as mm. human beings. Um, yeah, and I like I like that idea. I think I think mm. it's an optimistic yeah. idea. And it's and it takes us back to the almost the earliest question. One of the earliest questions we were discussing in this whole series of, of, of casts when you were talking about kind of perhaps like hierarchies of knowledge yeah. uh, and you know uh, do we have enough and we were saying do we you know do we know enough about the world to be able to operate in it uh, and we talked about kind of functional knowledge uh, and utilitarian kinds of knowledge as opposed to other kinds of knowledge and we do need the functional stuff we know we do need the routines in a way to kind of just yeah. to work within the context that we've created for ourselves you know we have to kind of you know the the buses and the trains have to run on time you know you mm. have to be at work on time you have to find ways of making that work you know your body functions in a particular way you have to find particular ways of making that work effectively in a given day um but not everything can be subservient to that understanding of knowledge i don't think i mean it's 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 you know um it's like i don't know it's 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 sort of like well uh, it's like i don't know i'm just trying to drag an analogy out of the air but it's a bit like kind of you know driving there are rules to driving hmm. and there are rules of the road hmm. and you have to do that to stop you crashing into people hmm. uh, and and you've got to do the various things to make sure that you're kind of safe and to make sure that, um but that's not to say that there aren't contexts when you just want to put the you know pedal to the metal and see if you can drive as fast as you can hmm. context repenting um maybe drive off road and kind of go over different kinds of terrain um, and do kind of different things. Well, so it's mean it's a computer game, isn't it? How many, you're going to go to the mm. edge of the you possibly could go on, on yes. your computer game, but you want to go further than that. Yes. You want to break through yes. that wall. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's why computer games have been, uh, are, are so popular, mm. um, that a lot of people perhaps do feel that their, their lives are limited by by kind of an empirical knowledge base you know the things that we are allowed to know the things we are allowed to do um we're only ever you know testing our, our our kind of utilitarian functional knowledge to get from a to b a to b a to b pull that lever a to b a to b um and we're not given we're given less and less time and space to explore other kinds of knowledge 
mm. and other kinds of experiences. And perhaps people are finding that in computer games, where you can kind of do things which perhaps you can't do in in you know in your own life. Maybe it's that's that's why you create these these computer avatars mm. um, to do to do kind of weird, wonderful stuff. I was talking about this to some students the other day, and we were saying it's really interesting how many how many of my friends or, or well, all of the people I know I consider friends are uh, would tend to be consider themselves to be pacifists. Mm non-violent whatever and yet get them into a computer game and it's carnage mm, you know mm. it's it's kind of fast cars it's kind of shooting up the streets it's blowing stuff up it's you know um and it, i wonder if this is like a perverse part of us which you know, mm. has you know going in that kind of you know in that, in that direction just i just want to see how i would react mm. in this sort of situation just what, what would that do to me how would i kind of respond to that often i can't behave any differently in in a in a virtual world than mm. i do in, a, in in the real world you know somebody pops up um uh, uh, unexpectedly in a game i thought oh, i can't shoot you because you you look like you might be a civilian and then they kind of pop me you know um so <laughs> it's like um yeah. charlie um uh, charlie brooker said it's like um uh, in, in a game he loves he loves gaming and it's um you're a sniper mm. and so i'm lining up my 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 uh my scope to the get the guy you know the guy walking you know um, meters and meters away and as i pull my trigger i'm thinking about what he's thinking <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> exactly will be. <laughs> oh yeah exactly that's exactly what i would do it's it's <laughs> it's dreadful really but it's 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 an interesting idea um i was and one of the things i was chatting to <laughs> some students the other day is i wonder if there are like you know across the world groups of you know various kind of groups individuals of like you know hardcore kind of like mercenaries and kind of you know bloodthirsty killers and so on um who sit down to computer games and play like stardew valley uh, yeah. and, and farming simulator because they think oh you know my the, the, my real world is just kind of you know all like blood soaked but i just like to, i just like to see what it will be like to live a kind of wholesome rural yeah. life yeah. in my computer game life <laughs> <laughs> animal crossing yeah, yeah, maybe it's maybe maybe Animal Crossing is the game that your hardcore your hardcore butchers and 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 and, um, and psychopaths that's what they play to kind of make and see what's 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 that what would that kind of life be like you know how would I react. <laughs> <laughs>